to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I'm Justin, and as always, I am joined by... Heat Ordnance Beth. Glass Half Sam. <laughs> and I'm Caleb. <laughs> it's so stressful, and I don't know why. <laughs> I, it's, I don't know what the problem would be. It's, nor- it's normal. Everything's normal. <laughs> Everything is fine. Yeah, our uh, our recording was delayed slightly by uh, Beth nearly freezing. Yeah, remember how it got like extremely, really quite cold recently? My heat decided it's time to break. So <laughs> I lived out of a suitcase for a few days and then said, fuck it, we ball, and I'm back in my apartment with a thousand space heaters. Mm. And just now we learned that they can't fix it unless it's warm enough to fix it. <laughs> Yeah, it's too cold to fix your heater. It's too cold. There's nothing to be done. We'd be uncomfortable. Yeah, we don't want... Yeah, your apartment's cold? We don't want to work in those conditions. (laughs) Are you kidding me? What are you talking about? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so uh, that whole plan that we mentioned last episode about, you know, curling up with a book and not doing anything else, yeah, might have been the way to go. (laughs) I had to flee instead. Uh, but we are back here with another episode of our podcast. Uh, we've almost finished up part two, and so we're we're seeing uh, we're seeing some progress on the bridge crew. Uh, we're seeing the ongoing politics of uh, the the Alethi High Princes and all that nonsense. Yay! <laughs> Sam, Sam's favorite plot line of the entire cosmere. <laughs> My favorite. Well, we'll see when this part wraps up on uh, on the the first page of part three, who we're going to be we're going to be viewing there, because uh, it will change again slightly. <laughs> what if it wasn't Shalan? <laughs> I'm I'm still in shock that Shalan isn't part of part two. I was really being like, okay, surely this storyline is gonna we're gonna be checking in with it frequently. Brenda was like, nah, the the second act of the book, nothing. Sh- shattered <laughs> yeah. planes only. Yeah. No, it's uh it's an interesting one. Uh I I don't like have a whole I, I don't remember a bunch on this, but uh he writes these books in a pretty interesting way where I think he usually treats them as kind of three uh, separate plot lines, uh, which may interlink more or less depending on the particular book and the particular characters. Uh, but he actually writes each of those three separate plot lines one at a time straight through and then starts working on linking them together. So yeah, he just he wrote the Shallan story as a whole story and then sat down and said, okay, how is this actually going to fit in the book? And the answer was apparently uh, not at all for the second <laughs> quarter-ish of it. What if we just turned the page to part three and it just said, as our viewpoint characters, the Alethi nobility. <laughs> we don't even get Kaladin next time. It's just a targeted attack against Sam. It says Sadius. I was going to say, it's not even It's not even Adeline and Dalinar. It's just Sadius. Yeah, it says the Alethi nobility, parentheses, but none of the colons, parentheses again, except Elicar, because he also sucks. <laughs> POVs, everyone Sam hates. Yeah. <laughs> there is, in, in a future Stormlight book, there is a part intro 
where one of the the viewpoints listed is a whole group of characters and it's a big cool dramatic <laughs> moment and it is not nearly as petty and silly as the situation we've just described <laughs> uh but yeah today we had uh chapters 23 through 26 uh, which takes us very close to the end of part two but not quite there uh and so we can go ahead and see uh what we what we've got going on we start uh, again, back to our, our ongoing letter in our epigraphs. Uh, this one, I, I like the tone of this one. It says, uh, you have accused me of arrogance in my quest. You have accused me of perpetuating my grudge against race and Bavadin. Both accusations are true. <laughs> it's very honest of like, yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah, fair. <laughs> fair point. Yeah, this sounds like says it to me. Every time I every time I want to stand pat on an epigraph prediction is just like, oh, I, and these arrogance. And that's Sazed. So arrogant. <laughs> Classic Sazed. <laughs> Most arrogant son of a bitch in the Cosmere. <laughs> arrogant, grudge-holding Sazed. <laughs> Greedy, selfish. <laughs> yeah, to a T. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see what else we learn about uh, this writer here. In, uh, in chapter 23 itself, uh, we are resuming with Kaladin, uh, who said that he had a plan when they were going to go on stone gathering detail, and their plan is, uh, is beginning, uh, and it starts with most of the bridge crew on stone gathering detail, and they're a little annoyed by that because it's just hard work. <laughs> Props to Kaladin for leaning into this. <laughs> Gaz is like, I'm going to tell everyone it was you. And Kellen's like, fine, do it. I'll just put the stones in the wagon. Yeah. Yeah, he does kind of have, like, the cushy job here. I mean, as as much as it can be as you're, you know, doing backbreaking manual labor out on the, the Shattered Plains. He's also, like, I know he's trying to be friendly and be, like, a good leader. But the first thing he says to one of them is, like, Maybe the most annoying feedback for this type of job yes. I could possibly get is I bring a rock over for the rock collection so that the so that the all the rich people can use the rocks to turn it into fancy stuff. And my boss goes, that's a nice one. Good job. You did great with this rock you found. <laughs> Killer rock, man. <laughs> just just a weird note also. Just like a... Uh... Not climate. Um, I guess, cl- like, global climate note. Um, it is weird that, ca- to me, that Kaladin's home is more arid than the Shattered Plains. Because his home has farming, and the Shattered Plains have, like, desert. But yeah. it's, it's moist enough for the rock buds to stay open. I'm just, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. My assumption is that since it's further east, it just, like the storm probably hits it harder but that doesn't quite explain why there are like flat out cities on the east coast like how do they get by <laughs> um but uh that that was my assumption just because it's closer to the storms the storms are probably more powerful when they hit the the plains yeah the uh the the kind of ecology and and whole the whole thing on on roshar is definitely an unusual one and we we see some uh, uh we see some weird stuff uh, but meanwhile, while they are uh, working on their uh, uncomfortable menial labor, uh, there is a secondary task being done, uh, which Teft and Rock are working on. Uh, they are they are gathering reeds, 
and uh did i i don't think i wrote this down but at one point we we said that uh, they were gonna get reeds and then make a flute out of them uh, yes. and during this chapter when when Kaladin is making up excuses he he says maybe i'll say i'm gonna weave a hat and i feel like that had the same energy as we're gonna make a flute out of them <laughs> They're reeds. I yeah. think a hat out of. I guess you can make a hat out of reeds, but there's a whole survivor's tangent I could go on about the guy having to weave his hat. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. So his <laughs> go for it. <laughs> he found a little advantage that was like, all right, so this will give you immunity for the next tribal council, but when everyone got to camp for the first time, everybody got a fun little thing with a bead on it, and you have to convince everyone to give you their beads in order to have immunity. And if you don't do that in time, you'll lose your vote at the next tribal council. So it's like a very all or nothing thing. He's got to get everybody, he's got to convince everybody, hey, could I see that bead? Can I have it? And so this guy was like a really friendly social guy. And he was like, yeah, I'm weaving together a hat out of reeds, but I want some really cool like decorations for it. Could we like, you know, as just kind of a tribe, could everyone just like pitch in their beads and that'll be like the decoration for the hat. And it worked. It was the sickest play ever. It was awesome. Okay. Hat weaving is successful underhanded behavior. I love it. <laughs> That's where Brennan got the idea. It Probably. <laughs> I also do like that after he, he makes up that dumb excuse, Cal goes, maybe I should. It would be nice. Then I wouldn't have this son. Like, that actually sounds kind of kind of nice. Yeah. And now that all the eyes are turned to him, like, you know, Sadius is aware of his existence and therefore judging him and making sure he's not feeding these people i'm gonna be inconspicuous by making a hat (laughs) (laughs) this is what lying low looks like it'll hide his face he'll be incognito but uh yeah hat making aside there's uh there's part of a plan going on here uh with teft and and rock gathering these up uh rock is being assisted by sill which makes it very unfair because she can just kind of fly around and go, hey, they're over here. Yeah, she's very good at it. Yeah. Hey, over here, there's shit. Well, she does do that too. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we hear Syl's opinions on, on Rock. Uh, she likes him because he's respectful, uh, but also does not want to follow him around all the time because he is too respectful. But yeah, the, uh, the task is going on. Uh, most of the bridge crew is not uh, not super happy about this Kaladin is is trying to work with that uh, and there's a there's a conversation about uh, about honesty uh, because Cal could try to pin this on Gaz at least to to his crew but uh Syl would would not like that she she doesn't uh, approve of the dishonesty uh pranks involving Cheldung aside she uh, <laughs> she says no that would be that would be wrong and I I don't like that. We have a, a brief appearance from the uh, the Bridgman Scar, uh, who Cal tries to talk to, uh, but, uh, uh, quote, got no response. The man even went so far as to give Kaladin a rude gesture before tromping back out. Isn't this one of Brandon's friends? Sure is. Classic. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, I believe his name is Ethan Scarstet, uh, and, which is one of those last names that, in real life, everyone actually just did call him Scar. Hell yeah. Uh, and he was in a branch of the military of some sort. I don't remember. 
uh, and is one of Brandon's primary uh, kind of resident experts on the structure of military life and all that kind of stuff. So here he is being angry at Cal. Being the single worst job in the army. <laughs> Flipping Cal off. Also, like, I don't know if Kaladin technically knows how to spell Scar, but we're told it's spelled with a K. And then Kaladin's like, and it's weird that he's named Scar because he doesn't even have any scars. It's like, no, that's just his name. That's that's his actual name, Kaladin. <laughs> yep. So yeah, that, uh, that part of the plan concludes. They do a, a little bit of... Uh, of, of hiding their uh, the reeds that they've gathered and we go on to that night the the war camps are a kind of a fully functioning city and and so there's there's nightlife and in Sadius's war camp it's like kind of sketchy I love how it's like oh there's no curfew you can be out as late as you want but if anybody sees you they'll beat the shit out of you just for fun Bridgeman. Bridgeman. <laughs> bad. It's bad. Oh. And then there'd be me. Like, I'd be like the soldier and I'd be like, yeah, let's beat the shit out of the most important unit in our whole army. And then people would be like, what? And then I'd explain it to them. And then they'd be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, I get it. And then they'd leave him alone and I'd be the, the victor. Unfortunately, this is Sadius's war camp. They'd probably be like, make a bridgeman out of him. <laughs> Put him in bridge far. <laughs> oh, you think they're so important? Then let's get you in there. As uh, as this crew here, Kaladin, Teft, and Rock, which is kind of becoming the, the like core of the the crew, are heading through the camp. Uh, Teft uh, starts to kind of change his mind about it, uh, and says that uh, no, he's going to leave. He's he's out for now. Uh, Rock insists that that he is going to stay. Uh, which Teft sees as a threat, which, you know, Rock is a big, big guy who's just going to beat him up if he doesn't come with. Uh, but Kaladin's solution is, is he says, he reminds Teft that that they need him uh, and says that, that uh, a, a request like that behaves differently for different people. And for Teft, uh, someone needing his help might be what he actually needs. That passage on need is is really cool. I really like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we have Sam's summary of this conversation of Teft says, screw this, I'm out. Rock says, no, you're in. Teft says, no, I'm out. And Cal says, please don't leave. He decides to stay. This it is works. actually like, it does work. And it, it is, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on team Caleb here. It is like a very interesting way to expound upon this character in a very sort of simple way. And Cal really yeah. understanding the philosophy here. Mm -hmm. is interesting especially in juxtaposition to what we've seen from teft which is you can't trust me i will let you down you shouldn't need me but he longs for it it's just like ooh, juicy yeah there's been a couple of these so far and there's there's one or two more later that i really like where uh on teft in particular kaladin has a very good read on his character in a way that i think teft doesn't even realize yet uh, and I I like to see that come out. Yeah. But yeah, they have uh, they haven't really done much sneaking at this point. They're just kind of walking with some amount of purpose. Uh, Kaladin says the the wagons are pretty unguarded because nobody's going to steal a large empty wagon from the middle of the war camp. Uh, but they do have to kind of sneak through the the uh, 
the wagon enclosure and find their their bundle of reeds and they do manage it so there's a, another step complete nice and still found some bottles they're in great shape yo great shape <laughs> uh we do have a uh an, an a plus line here from sill uh as as kaladin is is paranoid that maybe the uh the reeds have dried out or something else will go wrong uh sill says they'll be fine you worry like a worrier same <laughs> yeah so yeah, they have uh, they've found an an inconspicuous place to go work on their their next task, uh, which is to very slowly and painstakingly uh, extract the the sap from these reeds, because uh, it is one of the the antiseptics that Cal was trying to buy earlier. Apparently, it's a quite good one, and it was going to be a ridiculous price. Uh, so now they're they're gonna make some themselves yeah, and they they uh hop the uh the stuff over to the honor chasm which is honor chasm still there before it becomes shithead's pit when sadius throws himself <laughs> off and gets covered uh but uh it's great they're they're just they're just hopping these bundles along pretending like they're busy even though it's legal for them to do what they're doing and there's literally no reason at all why someone would stop them someone would probably stop them just to ruin their lives some more Rub it in. This is a bad place. <laughs> yup. Cal is having a bad time. <laughs> and this is like one of the more positive chapters. And it does include it sections on, yeah, I could just get the shit beaten out of me for literally no reason. So I should act busy. Yeah. This is like the first chapter where pretty much everything goes well. <laughs> yeah. And we have a beautiful moment here where Teft and Rock and Cal are all kind of milking the reeds and shooting the shit. And it's great. And I love it. And it's just missing like a campfire and like a, a lonely, like chol making chol noises uh, analogous <laughs> to a cricket or something. <laughs> but really loud because they're massive. <laughs> oh, God. Deafening cricket sounds. <laughs> What'd you say, Tuft? There was a a moment when I was rereading this uh, that I just, it was just a tiny moment, but I just thought it would be funny to see on screen uh, when they're out uh, stone gathering and uh, Cal is attaching the the reeds to the wagon. It, uh, It says something about how uh, the driver has gone off to talk with the other one of the other wagon drivers, and so it's just Kaladin and the Chull there, and the Chull is just kind of like looking at him with one eye, and I just thought that'd be a, a fun little moment while Cal is trying to like look around and see if anyone is watching, and then there's this giant crab that's like right next to him <laughs> that's staring at him. He's like, okay, well you're fine, <laughs> no issues here. But yeah, it it is a good scene. They've got some time to spend here this is a uh it's not a strenuous task but it is a a long and uh and kind of painstaking one so they've got time and they're actually going to talk which is significant progress for the bridge these people who literally did not know each other's name for a good portion of this book yeah and yeah we're gonna we're gonna learn some backstory we're going to we're gonna learn about rock uh and the Unkalaki, as his people are uh, are called, uh, as everyone else calls them, uh, the Horn Eaters, because they they do. 
they eat the horns and the shells and all the other bits of the crabs too. I really thought it was like a mean slur, but nope, turns out they literally eat horns and they proudly call themselves horn eaters. All right. <laughs> we have very strong teeth, he says. Can't let food go to waste. I, I feel like Rock has a, a tendency to just like, you'll ask him a question and he will say something as if it is a complete explanation and then yeah. not elaborate. And 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 you you have more questions, but it's just like you know we have strong teeth. Okay, we're done here then. <laughs> Heard, chef. This one on three forty six. Taptus goes. How can you be a light eyes without light eyes? By having dark eyes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Duh. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is we we learned some about the the Unkalaki people. Uh, they do not have any shards uh, among the the whole country there there are the 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 peaks are a region of alethkar i was gonna say yeah i I thought they were i thought they were in yakeved but i did seem weird that it it was weird that like kaladin's like you guys don't have any shards only alethkar and yakeved have them and i was like is that technically (laughs) the same isn't it (laughs) yeah but it, it seems like they have some kind of separation uh, right. And and yeah, this is something that has been uh, kind of a worry of theirs for a long time. Is even a single set of shards uh, are are worth an enormous amount in battle, and so the fact that the the horn eaters do not have any uh, is is a problem, and it's something that they have uh, been attempting to to fix by every once in a while uh, a a particularly a uh, brave person uh will put together a group will will travel to Alethkar or to somewhere else uh challenge someone challenge another shard bearer to uh, a duel for for the shards uh and try to win them and it as of yet has not worked hey you we'll do a duel to the death if if I, if i win i get your shard plate and if you win you get every single possession i own including my family what do you say? I mean, that's that's the deal that gets offered, apparently. Kaladin and, and Taft are listening to this story. And uh, Rock says uh, he lost, and so I'm a bridgeman. And and Taft is, is confused by that. And, and Rock explains that, yeah, all of, all of their possessions were wagered, including uh, the people serving them who are their family. And so, yeah, all of those people were kind of handed over to to Sadius. And uh, there's a bit of a, a step two question marks that we still haven't gotten to where, where Rock <laughs> goes from there to actually being a bridge man. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's quite a thing already, isn't it? But the, the step two to become a bridge man is so, so good. <laughs> it really is. It's great. I'm I'm all for it. Well done, Rock. <laughs> it's yeah. about time someone made Sadius literally eat shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, Rock uh, is apparently uh, a cook, and so he was put uh, into service cooking for for Sadius, uh, and decided, uh, in in his words. Uh, because the, these people in the lowlands they have no tastes. You know, they're 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 
uh, taste buds have been obliterated by all that spice. So I I need to put something special in this food, uh, which was chal dung, uh, which he put in the soup and in the bread and on the steak. And as a sauce, he says it has many uses. <laughs> so, yeah, and probably for the first time in quite a long while this gets uh this gets teft genuinely laughing uh kaladin says so hard that he's worried he's just going to roll into the honor chasm <laughs> so yeah we we've had we've had a good moment here now with these three one, and it feels well earned one allowed <laughs> and then teft goes all right yeah we're sharing backstories kaladin what about you kaladin goes no no that's enough backstory no backstory anymore <laughs> To be fair, Teft does that too. <laughs> yes, that is true. Because Cal does pull the Udo reverse card of like, well, would you like to share? And he goes, no. <laughs> no, no. Uh, and and Kaladin does volunteer a little bit of information, but it, it is like, I'm going to give Kaladin a little shit here for being very dramatic about this. Oh, yeah. He's, he is really dragging this out. Uh, you know, he says, I killed a man. And uh, doesn't elaborate any further. And and Rock does some questioning. He says, that's usually, usually they'll just kill you for that instead of making you a bridge man. Uh, and, and he says, no, the, uh, the killing someone was, uh, was a good thing. I was thanked for it. Uh, and it turns out that light eyes don't react very well when you turn down their gifts and then does not elaborate any further just too earnest man like there's a time you will get to this point kaladin you ain't there yet (laughs) (laughs) you're at a party and you just like no he does absolutely (laughs) kill the mood (laughs) yeah kills the mood (laughs) yeah so this work is going to continue into the night uh as our chapter closes uh we will be uh we'll be back to a uh a kaladin flashback but uh, we'll have to see what uh, what progress uh, they make as we go to chapter 24. Uh, and we're interrupted before we get to chapter 24 by a very spooky looking drawing. Let's go, Kaiju <laughs> Crab! Let's go! Now that is a giant enemy crab, if I have ever seen Hell one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it is interesting because like, no one's running away. Everyone's like, holy shit, check out the giant enemy crab in the in the drawing. Um, but uh, yeah, look at this. Look at this fucker. I love him. <laughs> I, I always love like when, when there's this kind of moment and people are pointing. <laughs> like, Do you look, see it? Do you see the thing that's obscuring half the sky? Yes, it is the <laughs> single most noticeable object in the world right now. <laughs> It's right over there. <laughs> uh, I did check the table of contents, which I hope is fair game. Um, and uh, I believe this is, yeah, this is a historical great shell picture, which is very cool and interesting to think about. I was wondering if you had uh, kind of uh, book info uh, thoughts to be excited about, or if this was literally just, there's a kaiju crab, let's go. <laughs> no, it was, it was mostly that. Oh, That's and fair. don't get me. This does not quite outdo the um, uh, giants 
giant like war map and then like weird things happening with the headers um but not only do we get this really cool crap picture then you look over and i and it's just it's built for caleb of the chapter mm-hmm. name is the gallery of maps yeah <laughs> yeah we uh we end up on roshar you're just gonna end up camped out here <laughs> this is the place to be <laughs> let me in let me in uh, before the chapter itself, we have the uh, the conclusion of the the thought about uh, our letter writers' arrogance and uh, grudges, uh, where where they they said uh, these accusations are true. Neither point makes the things I have written to you untrue. So, I I, I like the uh, the kind of tone there. We are approaching Quan levels of we're not getting enough information. I need more information. <laughs> I'll cut this person a little slack for not uh, starting. Like, this is a personal letter between friends, question mark, and not something that you're prefixing with, like, this is the most important information in the world, and I must make sure that everybody knows this into the future. Yes, that is true. My time is is brief. It's frustration with Brandon for being so sparse, but not at the letter writer necessarily. Because, yeah, Quan was, uh, Quan needed an editor. (laughs) So, yeah, we are, uh, we're going to be visiting the Gallery of Maps. Uh, We are back to uh, Dalinar, who is attempting to make some progress with this this plan of uh, setting up a, a joint plateau assault. Uh, he is here to meet High Prince Roion, and uh, doesn't make a ton of progress here. It's uh, it's not uh, not going as well as he'd hoped. I mean, this is like the very first thing, right? But I just find it funny. The building is shaped like a long loaf of Thalen bread. All right. Hell yeah. <laughs> Brandon was hungry when he wrote that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we also get a look at the prime map, which is something we have already seen. That was the big uh, map mm-hmm. that we saw. Um, and the really interesting detail of it is not a map of the Shattered Plains. It is a map of how many of the Shattered Plains we have been able to map so far, um, which uh, just tells you just how big the region is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right next to the map, uh, the the Alethi deadass have a leaderboard. They sure do. <laughs> This is not a good look for them. <laughs> no. Who's the best at gallivanting? <laughs> not Rorion. No. Nor Delinar, actually. So, uh, yeah, there's a there's a negotiation here where uh, Delinar is trying to uh, trying to set up this uh, th- this plan of of going on a, a joint assault. Uh, Delinar has remarked that he is not uh, not quite as good as at the whole uh, the whole politics thing, uh, and so he he's definitely not um, you know as as smooth as he could be here. Uh, he's also trying to work against the rumors that have been getting out uh, of uh, his behavior and and the things that he's been thinking about. He's he's you know once again trying to to deal with this rumor about him possibly wanting to abdicate which uh, makes the the negotiation a little difficult so uh, they get down to the actual that uh, delinar proposes this this plan of let's let's assault a plateau as a unified force uh 
which is apparently a baffling suggestion. Rowion is is shocked by this. Uh, but uh, yeah, they, they start actually negotiating in terms of, of the split and all that. Uh, Dalinar is at first saying, you know, we, we split the gem heart evenly. Uh, whoever, if there's shards to be won, whoever wins the shards is the one who gets them, of course. Uh, and Royan says, well, that will be you because you have shards and that makes it easier <laughs> to win them. So like, come on, I, I understand that that's not a fair deal. Uh, and Dalinar really wants to to make this happen and so he says okay if we win shards uh they're yours they go to you first which is a suspiciously good offer it also bums me out that it like he does specify i keep the second because he did promise renarin shards but it bums me out that he renarin gets the second set he was so excited. It's a big bummer, but it's also so good. It, it's, it reminds me of uh, Andor. There's a very specific uh, uh, subplot in that. Whereas, like, I think it's very easy when the hero is like, oh, do I sacrifice my well-being for the greater cause? The heroic thing to do is like, yes, obviously do that. Andor has a story that's like, oh, should I sacrifice a family member's well-being for the greater good? Ooh. And that's a way better question. It's way more interesting. Um, and yeah, it kind of goes a little unsaid. I don't think Renarin is even really mentioned in this chapter, but I had the exact same thought of like, ooh, he's you're not really breaking the promise because he's hoping he can get multiple shards. But like, yeah, he is kind of putting that promise aside for the sake of political mm-hmm. uh, progress, which, yeah, it is, it is a bummer. And also it's real juicy. <laughs> and uh, with this offer on the on the table, uh, Royan gives him a solid I'll think about it. <laughs> always a great sign yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and as it usually goes this does feel very much like a no there's a ah, oh, there's a quote i think it's from judy b jones the old kids books Hell um yeah. where at one point she asks her parents for something and uh it goes and it's narrated from her perspective and it's like mom said we'll see which is what adults say when they mean no <laughs> uh it's a a, a different uh kind of stock hedging phrase but uh the one that i always remember is uh, of course from mass effect when uh, uh ashley williams says why is it that when people say with all due respect they really mean kiss my ass <laughs> oh bless your heart <laughs> that's a powerful one <laughs> it's a good one but yeah Roion is uh is gonna go off and think about it and Dalinar is going to uh, give things a good ponder uh, before he is joined by Adolin, as we're going to see for the, the next part of the chapter. Uh, the first thing that we, we learn when Adolin and Dalinar start conversing uh, is the next part of uh, Adolin's uh, love life, because <laughs> he's, uh, he, he's just kind of musing as they talk. Uh, and and quotes something uh, from the arguments, uh, which is apparently a uh, a holy text of some sort. Uh, and and Delinar says, "Really, you quoting uh, quoting scripture?" Uh, and, and he says, "Well, you know, I've been hanging out with Malasha a lot." And and Delinar says, "Wait, who? Who, who are we talking <laughs> about now?" To his credit, Dalinar does remember Yanala's name. I think, like that. I think this <laughs> yeah. scene really shows it is Adeline switching so often, rather than Dalinar being a forgetful dad. Um, <laughs> yeah. that was a, that, it was slightly more unclear the first time. This whole oh, Dalinar can't remember who's who's who the current girl is. Um, 
because yeah, it was we just got it. We just got Malasha now. And it's cool. It's it's cool that we have a tome also to establish like time frame. Because if this was a movie, it would just show like the first one where like, oh, he's got a new girlfriend already. You know, and like you don't know if the characters are just crazy or if he really is that much of a, you know, hustler or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, but here we know, like, Yanala was like, not we saw long that date. ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now suddenly you're already with a new girl. So it's it's like, yeah, he's a he's a player. It's not even that clear if he's explicitly broken up with Yanala. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, nice going, Adolin, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Adolin and Dalin are, are, are talking over the, the political situation on how uh, it hasn't been going well to set up a, a joint assault. Uh, there's also a thing to worry about where uh, Sadius and his investigation that that uh, is going to be starting up. Uh, he's requesting... Uh, permission to go to the the Colian camp and start interviewing people there, and uh, Dalinar is still saying like, you know, yes, that's his right to make these demands. We we need to go along with this. Uh, Adolin has listened to Sam and and says, but it's Sadius <laughs> and fuck this guy. So can we not? <laughs> He's the fucker of this book, Dad. <laughs> Didn't you hear? Yeah. But God said to trust him. Maybe. But someone did. Yeah. That, that lady with a man's voice. Somebody who seemed divine. And uh, and yeah, that that is the next uh, point of the discussion because uh, Dalinar says, uh, the advice I've been given is to trust Sadius. Uh, and Adolin asks the pertinent question of the advice from where? Uh, and they, they kind of both already know the answer. Uh, which is these uh, mysterious visions that he's been having. Uh, and Adolin flat out says, so we're now staking our future on your visions. That, that's what we're doing. And uh, he, he says, we need to talk about this. Dalinar tries to defer. And, and Adolin says, you can't keep deferring this. We need to have this talk about it. And it uh, it's not much of a talk. It it becomes just kind of Adolin unloading a a long series of frustrations, and it's it's rough to hear. This is a this is a rough scene. Yeah, it's a really good scene though. Like <laughs> it feels strange to be like, hell yeah, I love these two arguing because I I like and i care about both of them so it makes me sad but adeline is right like this needed to happen this was going to hit a breaking point and it's it's very painful to see it happen in this way yeah and uh with all of that having been said uh both of them realize that there's not there's not really a good conclusion to this discussion or this argument or whatever this was uh, they they just need to both go their separate ways from now for now. Uh, Dalinar insisting on this fact. He he orders his son to go. 
and and Adolin leaves the chapter thinking it needed to be said and that didn't make him feel any less sick about being the one who had to say it hmm. so yeah our uh our our one kind of bright spot in the uh in in the war camps is uh not in a great place to our next chapter here we have our one uh, flashback of the section uh, so no epigraph we'll be getting back to that before the end of the episode i uh, know it's not supposed to be an epigraph it is very funny to imagine that the epigraph writer just will occasionally write seven years ago in the middle of a paragraph <laughs> and then move forward <laughs> hmm now that's something to decipher <laughs> Uh, we're, we're back to what's been going on in hearthstone uh, as the last that we saw was when uh when wistio died and we were trying to figure out uh in in there what was going to happen next uh, and we'll we'll see what happens next um it's uh it's not a great uh not a great development uh, but before that there's just some some going ons around the town uh, and Cal is is trying to deal with the fact that uh, the people here aren't very appreciative of what Liren does, despite him presumably being a, a huge benefit to Hearthstone, to providing them medical care, and to doing that largely for free. Uh, but there's there's superstition, there's rumors, there there's all sorts of uh, you know, just all that all that stuff. Uh, in and as the chapter opens he is overhearing some people who are uncomfortable with uh with someone cutting into a person they say that's uh that's you're seeing what what the almighty put there and that's not for a, a person to do lady sometimes people like break their arm and the bone is already sticking out <laughs> like sometimes you see what the lord put in there and it shouldn't be that way <laughs> Look away, you're seeing God's secret. <laughs> That's historically accurate, though. This happened. Yeah. Uh, grave robbing was incredibly common back in the day to give to doctors so they could perform autopsies and learn anatomy. They were called mm. the resurrection men, and it was kind of metal. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you something else. Wayne State, uh, which is the college over here in Detroit, uh, state school, um, they have a great doctor program and they do a whole mess of autopsies like that's apparently a specialty of wayne state is autopsy work not not hmm. grave robbed we hope <laughs> as you far as that. we know <laughs> but here in michigan when you donate your body to science you're probably donating it to wayne state neat so, yeah you're not gonna get blown up by an airbag or whatever <laughs> Wait, what? What was that lady? Like, there was a lady who got, like, blown up by something when she donated her body to science. I very vaguely remember this. And then her family was, like, there's nothing they could do because it was, it was like, her... It, it was a, a thing that she consented to before she died, but they were upset by uh, what they saw as, like, I guess, like, almost a desecration. Oh, oh it's... It was um it was used to test bomb impact by the military instead of being donated to like medical research. It's the science of, of murder. <laughs> there was a uh, somewhat related anecdote that I remember hearing 
uh, from someone in uh, in Canada where I don't know if this is just a Canadian thing or their province or whatever. Uh, but when you when you like get your driver's license and sign up to be an organ donor, uh, it's you can actually uh, opt specifically in for which organs you are willing to donate. Uh, and the the person who was telling the story was you know just going down the list. It's like yes, yes, sure. And, and then uh, the last one was eyes, which they felt weirdly uncomfortable about. But they're my eyes. <laughs> I need those for peeping. My special eyes. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, listen, right? What if you have an access code at one of the most secure facilities Ooh. in all of Canada? And it's like a an eye thing, like an eye a print retinal scan, thingy. yeah, retinal yeah. scan. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> and now somebody's got your eyes, and suddenly they're stealing all the nuclear secrets of Canada. This this feels like a uh, like a Mission Impossible something. It does. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? I gouged out my eyes for the mission, and now I go to a doctor <laughs> and say I need new eyes, and we hope that I. <laughs> New eyes, please. <laughs> Simon Pegg is on the laptop it. being like, make sure that he gets the right eyes. I'm, I'm uh, altering <laughs> the files so that we, this guy gets that guy's eyes. I'd like one eyes, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back in this book, where, uh, no, nobody, is, nobody is donating organs right now. Uh, yeah, there's... here's a question though. If you gouge out your eyes and put a light eyes's eyes in your eyes, does that make you a light eyes? Hmm. Now it's relevant. Here's our segue. <laughs> there we go. That question will not be addressed, but we're back in this book. Damn it. Uh, yeah. So the whole the whole doctoring thing makes some people uncomfortable. Um, there's also a rumor going around that uh, apparently uh, the 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 uh, the spheres that Lyrian uses as his his work light that were on loan uh, from from Wistio, which have now been uh, bequeathed to him to, to to get Cal to medical school. I guess uh, there is a rumor that uh, Lyrian stole them. So that's a uh, they really don't like this guy and uh, Cal because he is. Uh, a young boy and wants to do something about this uh want, wants to you know, make a scene about it but he knows that his dad wouldn't approve and so just is it's gonna keep going i love that little moment just his father was wouldn't approve but that was his father so cal marched right out of the alleyway <laughs> just yeah. glares at him i heard you saying mean stuff about my dad lady gotcha that's all. I'm not going to do anything, but I heard you. Anyway. Mom. <laughs> At least she's uncomfortable about the just trash talk that this is. Because this is just tr garbage talk. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's no kindness in these. There's no, like, care for other humans. Yeah, there's the not even a bless thing. his heart in here. No. <laughs> there's no heart blessing going on. It does kind of feel like the the kind of atmosphere where that would happen, though. Like she'd see him coming out and then say, bless your heart. In the screen adaptation, one singular change to the dialogue. <laughs> Nana Tira needs to say, bless your heart. <laughs> Done. Okay. Scenes that must be in an adaptation. <laughs> 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 
Kaladin on a bridge crew. <laughs> Nanatira saying, bless your heart. <laughs> it is, it's a listicle that's two, art, uh, two uh, topics long. Yeah, everything else, take or leave. Uh, but yeah, uh, Cal heads, uh, heads off and gets to, to talk with his mom for a bit who we've we've seen referenced and i think she's shown up like actually on page but just barely uh but now we actually do have a uh, a good conversation with hasina and i like her she can hang yeah. i wrote my notes she can hang <laughs> yeah she's a good mom well i mean from this 10 second scene we've seen right her. She, she's hardworking. She corrects her son gently, but like gets him to learn a lesson. It's all it's good. It's wholesome. Yeah, we. I mean, we've had kind of wildly different um, standards for parents in the Cosmere so far, <laughs> and we haven't had much of an interaction with Hasina, but she she ranks very highly thus far. Yeah, I I don't know. I, there's a very good chance that neither of them will stick around for that long, but it is kind of wild that Kaladin has two of some of the best parents in the Cosmere yeah. and has turned out to be one of the most miserable people in the Cosmere. <laughs> yeah. There's also a, uh, a peak 13-year-old boy dialogue here uh, when he's he's talking about what he wants to do. Maybe he, Maybe he doesn't want to be a surgeon. Maybe he wants to do something else. Uh, and says, you know, at least those other people have friends. Uh, and his his mom says, well, well, what about Tian? And he says, he's not a friend. He's my brother. <laughs> I mean, Tian is a brother. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean, mom? <laughs> he's kind of the platonic ideal of a younger brother, I feel like, <laughs> at least as as depicted in media. Yeah. I also like how Liren works for free, we learn, and people still hate him. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> like, you know what? You know what, everybody? That's it. I'm declaring a new holiday. It's called Liren Free Month. <laughs> for for this month, I will not offer my services to anybody, no matter what happens. <laughs> this month will happen every single year. I thought I thought you were saying Liren free is in his services are free, not it is free of Liren. <laughs> yeah, free of Liren. Eleven months of the year are free Liren, in which Liren's services <laughs> yeah. are free. But then one month is Liren free. Yeah, the other way. Yes, indeed. And and for that one month, if you break your arm, tough Too titty bad. toenails. Why don't you go get a glyph word, bitch? <laughs> Also a phrase that needs to be in the adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> Let's close that three. Uh, as the uh, the discussion goes on here, uh, Cal does kind of wrap things up. He's uh, he he gives in, starts helping his mom with what she's working on, uh, and I, I I like the the, the split here of. Uh, she's smiling because she is raising a helpful young man. Uh, and and he's helping because he wants to hit things, <laughs> which uh, gives him uh, a bit of time to think about the future. Uh, he now does understand at at age thirteen uh, that uh, he had uh, he'd been encouraged to hang out with Laurel when he was young, 
because maybe the two of them would end up getting married and given their respective ranks that would be access that would be acceptable and then maybe their kids might be light-eyed and you know there's there's some moving up in the world there uh and cal is thinking about you know the the other possible methods of moving up in the world like going to war and winning a shard blade that would move that would move him up so very different uh possibilities in there the major event of this chapter as we get towards the end uh is that bright lord rishon the new city lord has arrived in town in world characters are going i wonder if we'll see him give a speech mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah after uh after wistio died they they knew that uh in the future or they knew that that shortly after they would be appointed new, a new city lord who would have to come all the way out here and uh and he's arrived and they're going to see how the the town is going to be run now uh we have a a very fun bit of uh of non-explained backstory as uh Liren is uh is getting kind of uh kind of jittery about this uh and and Hesina says he always gets he he gets pessimistic when when things like this are happening uh and and Liren says name one other time and and she says when you met my parents which he does not want to think about and i want to know the story there <laughs> i do i love the follow-up of oh let's let's hope this doesn't go half as poorly as that yeah. <laughs> not just as cal never met his mother's parents they weren't often spoken of wow yeah, there's uh there's some drama there <laughs> things went wrong in that meeting yeah. <laughs> uh but uh yeah uh rishon has arrived uh, as well as something like a dozen wagons full of uh, of furniture and supplies and all other manners of things, uh, which even Kaladin already thinks is is ridiculous. And uh, we we see Rashon's grand appearance. He uh, opens the door of the carriage, and he looks at them all. And he gets back in the carriage. <laughs> no speech. No speech. <laughs> the street continues. Well, no, we get a speech. It looks like there's going to be no speech. And then uh, uh, Liren uh, calls out to him uh, and and tries to kind of offer some, some hospitality. It says, how was your trip? Can we show you around? Uh, he uh, gives his name says that he's he's Hearthstone surgeon uh and Rashon says you're the one who let old Wistio die in a way it's your fault i'm in this pitiful miserable quarter of the kingdom and then he leaves end speech fuck all of you goodbye <laughs> perfect so i don't want to call it too early and and we've completely acknowledged that Sadius is the like capital T capital F the fucker of this book but Roshon is like making a strong play for it in less than a minute of, of page time here. He's, he's a, strong, a fucker for sure. A strong opening gambit from him to, to come for the title. And then as our, our chapter ends, uh, this like third of a page spun off a lengthy uh, discussion on our Discord about 
fantasy books or movies or whatnot when they are playing some sort of gambling game that is not a real world gambling game and very dramatically state the the hand that they have and everybody gets very excited about it <laughs> and their words that nobody knows what they mean uh, and because that's what we get at the end here is they're they're trying to figure out is this is this good or is this bad uh is it uh is it the queen or the tower in uh in this game of breakneck which is i i think this game is probably something like craps in that you're you're rolling in this case you're uh you're tossing i don't know what tossing stones i think they're like like dominoes in my head uh but sometimes you win on the first throw sometimes you lose and then sometimes as in this case uh your first throw will determine what the rest of the game is going to be like honestly kind of wild for Lyra to say this of like the the conversation is is it going to be good or is it going to be bad and Roshon shows up and says this and he's a fucker and Lyra's like Oh no, it's still up in the air. He might be good. It's like, no, I'm, I, I think this might be the tower, man. Are, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Like, to be fair, you know, maybe there's a chance you win him over. You know, may, like, he doesn't know anything about the town. But, you know, bring him a nice, like, you know, uh, hearthstone pie or something. And, and chat to him and everything yeah. will be fine. But... Yeah, it's not a good start when he comes up and says, "Hey, you're the guy who killed my the person, and now I'm stuck here in this shithole with you fuckers." Like that's not that's not a yeah, not a not a good foot to start off on. For yeah, sure. I guess my my question is just if this is not the tower, what would tower have looked like, Liren? <laughs> yeah, T- tower would look like if Rojon had slapped him, <laughs> just immediately arrests him. Yeah. <laughs> To the bridges with you, <laughs> guards. Let's pretend that it's a party and he's a fucking goddamn it, Scott even... Child. Scott Child. <laughs> we just read those books, but I already—I t- think a couple episodes ago, after I finish a course, it's all gone. I mean, yes. also you say just, but our our last Hero of Ages episode was like four months ago or something also the jesus. the events you're describing are from final empire which was over a year ago i'm pretty sure jesus yeah. it's been a long time there's so much book in these books there's a lot of book <laughs> and there's a lot of books yeah, yeah that too true that too uh but we have uh in this episode right now we have one more chapter uh we are going to be uh going back to uh to dalinar and uh, the the fight on the Shattered Plains one more time, which means we do have one more epigraph, which does give us some interesting information. Uh, it says, I am being chased. You are friends of the 17th Shard, I suspect. I believe they're still lost following a false trail I left for them. They'll be happier that way. I doubt they have any inkling what to do with me should they actually catch me. If this is Hoyd, I'm going to be annoyed. <laughs> L- Would listen. you say you'd be unhoyed? I'd be unhoyed. Uh, I prefer <laughs> listen, listen. I prefer Hoyd as the weird Easter egg character. Okay, to to give it a, an apt analogy here, 
Howard the Duck shows up for like 10 seconds per movie in the <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy movie series. There's no greater importance put on him. He's just there to point at and think, hey, look, it's Howard the Duck. It's, what, isn't that so silly? He's at a party and then he's in like the collector's little chindig thing. But like we know that one guy's being chased who's an internet dimensional traveler and his name is Hoyd. And I just, I, I like their little silly guy when he was just a silly guy. <laughs> it's just a little guy. Just a silly guy. So uh, I'm not going to answer the question directly. Uh, I do want to temper your expectations somewhat of starting in, in The Way of Kings and as we go on, the uh, the crossovers are going to get slightly more and more impactful as we go. And Hoyt is definitely going to lead the way on those because uh, he was kind of the first one to start doing it. Uh, but it is a, a pretty slow ramp up. Okay. So, so it, it will be it will be several several books before we have like <laughs> major plot relevant things that are coming in from from elsewhere. I was gonna say I've my main theory is still that the letter writer is Hoyd, but I also don't know if that's going to impact the actual plot of this book right now at all. That's a good point. Those could be kind of two separate things. So Latima. Yes. So let's uh, let's go to chapter 26 itself, uh, where we start with an actual reading from The Way of Kings in this book, The Way of Kings. Hey, I'm reading that. There you go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because Dalinar is a, a, a proper Voran man. Uh, he wants to to go over this passage again, and so he is having someone read it to him. This does actually, it, it got brought up in the previous Dalinar chapter, but now that it's relevant again, and I forgot to talk about it then. <laughs> we did get confirmation last chapter that Nohadon, the chapter, uh, the writer of this book, was the king of Alethkar, or at least what Alethkar had been at the time. Which is weird because Dalinar has also specifically said the writer of the Way of Kings was an ordinary man. It's like, which is it? You can't say that the king was like a normal, average dude and then go around and be like, oh yeah, also he was the king. I, uh, <laughs> <sighs> Just our most average king. <laughs> I guess you could compare that to like some like mythological figure or like it's it's very unclear what people think about the radiance and what actually happened with the radiance in the past but like there there are other possibilities i think above the king of a country but yeah that i mean that is a pretty significant person to be writing this book yeah i just remember because i still don't know if this I, I i don't since we have a name and it is not one of the heralds i'm not feeling strongly like this might happen but i remember one of my things was like oh what if a right what if the herald wrote the way of kings and then i was like and maybe noadon is like a fake name and then telnar was like he was an ordinary man i was like it wasn't even like an important guy and then later on it's like <laughs> no it was an important guy yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah we have uh, a a pretty extended passage here we we've heard like a quote here and there that uh that Dalinar has brought up uh but this is an actual like it's it's most of a whole page interspersed with the the uh, the actions here uh and it's, it's just it's some kind of philosophical musing 
uh, about a uh, an event that I I don't even know if this event actually took place uh, of being in in this monastery and seeing uh, being lit by all these candles and just thinking about uh, how a how a candle flame behaves and what it does and then thinking about uh, drawing an, an analogy there to to the lives of of the men who can be affected by th- those kind of big decisions. Uh, we learned that uh, Delinar has uh, has listened to this passage quite a bit. It's it's one of his favorites. It's it he he says it's it's someone else who clearly understands what that kind of weight of command felt like, and so it's 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 been kind of relieving to him to think about how someone else did experience this and and has thought through these things and and put them down on the page. But also today, it doesn't quite feel as good. He's still kind of dwelling on the the argument he had with Adolin. As he is, uh, as he wraps up the actual reading here, he has some time to just kind of think about things. He thinks about the book itself, and is is a little worried on, you know, what uh, the, the visions started pretty uh, pretty soon after he first started going through this book uh it was something that his brother mentioned this this book before he died uh you know what where does this all go and he uh he he doesn't really get very far thinking about this uh and very shortly after we have a uh we we have the uh the horns sounding because there's going to be a, a plateau assault on Let's go. Um, <laughs> before we do get to that, we also get fun confirmation that Dalinar does have a lot of uh, maps in his uh, study as well. And we get an Isaac Shulin name drop. He's officially mm-hmm. in the text yeah. of the book. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Always got to give our shout out to our map makers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, with the uh, the horn sounding, uh, the, the time for, for pondering the book is over. Uh, it is time to get ready for battle, uh, and we get an extended armoring sequence, which is just cool. It's very Hell cool. yeah. It's like Iron Man, but slow. But very slow. I, I also wrote Iron Man in my notes. G- gives me Theoden vibes. I don't remember what battle it was before, but Theoden gets suited up in one of the Lord of the Rings, and there's philosophical musings over it. Oh, what movie was it? Someone help. This is killing me. I'm gonna that's, guess uh, Return from of the, the King. Lord of the Rings. That's it. You cracked it. Um, I don't know. That sounds like it could have been Two Towers, though, because that that they Two Towers. Better. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had a one in three. <laughs> that's true. I had no knowledge whatsoever. It was a pure guess. <laughs> Yeah, I like the the detail in here that uh, when you don shard plate, you have to do it bottom up because it gives you extra strength, and it is so heavy that if you don't if you don't start at the bottom, you will just not be able to carry it as it's being put on. Yeah, that's a good good detail. Yeah. Um, I also love that like Brandon has just 
he hasn't gotten to describe many castles because it's all been about these war camps. So instead of that, he's like going all in on armor terminology for this oh, yeah. chapter. I'm making up <laughs> for it here. So many words. I was like, is that a fantasy word? Or is that like a real actual armor thing? And pretty much everything here is an actual armor thing. They're just words I've never heard of. <laughs> if we don't get crinals or merlins, we get greaves and sabatons. Sabatons. <laughs> or is it the gorget? Yep. Yeah. Also, I know it's very brief and very unimportant, but uh, Teleb's wife is there. Her name's Kalami, and she's a historian, and she's taking notes on the war. Day 753, they fucked around again. <laughs> Nothing happened. It's like the uh, it's like the Iliad is a story of like the Trojan War, and it only tells the important bits. And even that has a lot of like plodding along and everything happening. And then you look it up, and you're like, oh, the Trojan Wars were like 15 years long. They really were just fucking around for a vast majority of that. <laughs> um, I like that. We also get a description of Teleb, and he has a tattoo marking him as an old blood. No idea what that means, but maybe we'll find out at some point. Uh, this doesn't come up until, I think this doesn't come up until the third book, but uh, Sam, you talking about uh, someone recording the history reminded me, uh, this is a very, very tiny thing, uh, but I think it's funny and so I'm going to bring it up now. Uh, it is it is an in-world fact that uh, because all of the books are written by women, uh, I mean, there there are books that are like, the author is is a man because they they dictate it and it is scribed for them uh and all of those books have footnotes written by the women who are actually transcribing it and it is an in-world fact that those footnotes can get a lot less formal and more critical than the actual book itself so even if she is like writing down the actual troop movements and whatnot there could be a footnote that says day 761 they fucked around <laughs> nice but yeah with the uh the extended armoring sequence complete it is uh it's time to go to battle uh, i guess i should say real quick before delinar literally runs off uh teleb who is is in charge of of all of this uh, is asking him about Delinar's bridges, which we've heard are mechanical and pulled by Charles and are very slow. Uh, and Teleb wants to make some improvements, and Dalinar says we could also not kill people unnecessarily. <laughs> but uh, does concede here that there there will be one uh, Colin bridge crew as like an experiment. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Gotta say considering that the order is you may recruit and train a crew wild time to be asking for this as we are suiting up for a literal battle <laughs> yeah i'm also very curious about the verb recruit because <laughs> yeah. it seems like elsewhere being a bridgeman is like the worst punishment like what are you gonna do tell him conscript <laughs> yeah yeah, there, there's a there's a sliding scale from recruit to conscript to enslave, and we can we can hope that this falls on the better <laughs> end of that. And you know, I'm okay with like man carried bridges as long as it's not like charging blindly to right. your death. Right. Yeah. On, the, on the last plateau, if the last yeah. plateau was like trolls and mechanical shit, then all right. 
you can have yeah. your fast people at the start. This is a pretty good compromise, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and even the word train, instead right. of just like <laughs> hurling a bunch of people at a bridge and saying run, the word train is already an improvement. Yeah, Keldon literally got no preface for what he was about to do. It was, it was like just, 10 minutes. Go here. <laughs> yeah. Lift. Drop. So yeah, we are we're going to get the the actual Colin army moving out here. They are they're ready to go. Uh Adolin is there as well. He's going to be participating in the battle. Uh things are okay between the two of them. Uh, I think it's a, a very good exchange here, uh, where Dalinar can tell that Adolin is is uncomfortable and and goes over and reassures him and says, You said what you you felt like you needed to say uh and adolin very clearly separates it he says i'm not sorry that i said those things i am sorry about how and where i said them so there's a, a good moment there between them and and they can they can prepare for this battle together shit i have a i have a conversation planned for a, a DD session of i'm realizing i just flat out stole that adolin line i didn't even know it <laughs> <laughs> so then the question is how many of your players would recognize it? Um, uh, with none that will, uh, aside from Beth, none that will uh, uh, recognize it before this episode comes out. And there then when they listen to the episode, they'll go, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that is exactly where Caleb stole that from. But it'll be too late. I already snuck it past him. <laughs> You're fine. Gotcha, Jack. <laughs> the, uh, the, the last uh, tabletop rpg character that i played extensively was completely stolen from a different book that most of the table had not read and just ported into this other setting so i get you oh yeah oh yeah one of the best arcs i ran was just ripped entirely from the adventure zone so yeah it is uh it's time for a battle which means that it's time to begin the trip out onto the plains. And so there's going to be a bit more time before the actual battle. Uh, and during that time, Sadis is going to come interfere with things. God damn it. Great. <laughs> I, I love, I think we even get the detail earlier of like, because of where the platform is, we know we're almost positive we can beat Sadis to it. So you think that we're not going to have to deal with them. And it's like, yeah, I'm not bringing my army, but I'm still going to ride along with you guys. But I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I can come fuck things up. And here, I think, is like kind of the distinction between just uh, an ambitious snake and a fucker is there's no like, <laughs> there's no real need for him to be on this. He's just doing it to be a shithead. He's not yeah. gaining anything really from it <laughs> other than annoying Dalinar. As is established, the, the timeline here on the Shattered Plains is quite slow moving. If you don't do this investigation literally now, you can just do it tomorrow. Yeah, so he's doing it to, to interfere, to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if you want to be charitable to Sadius to put down on his back foot, you know. Sure. But then he mocks him by saying you have loyal soldiers. <laughs> right, like then he is an asshole about it. Yeah. There's also a a line of description that is it's a little bit on the nose I think, but I also think it it's a a good bit of symbolism where uh Dalinar is looking at 
Sadius, who has arrived in his very fancily painted shard plate in contrast to Dalinar's, which is still just base gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, this is a, this is a differently painted helm uh, or, or like different decorations uh, than the last time. And it's a, a, a kind of sunburst that he thinks looks a little like a crown. And uh, maybe there's a, there, there's some ambition there. Yeah. I like that. That was good. So yeah, we are, we're heading out onto the plains. It's going to be a, a bit of a trip there. Uh, especially because I mean, Dalinar even acknowledges this is this is the slow way to use the mechanical bridges. They have they have chulls pulling them, which are not particularly quick. And then when they reach a chasm, they have to do this whole mechanical operation of uh, getting the chulls out of the way, getting the bridge kind of extended mechanically. We're we're like one one hundredth of the way towards Sam's request of them getting that fancy bridge layer vehicle whose name I've forgotten. <laughs> the, the M60 armored vehicle launched bridge. There you go, that one. <laughs> because this this bridge does like extend and retract in some way. So it's uh yeah, it it's a process to to get all the way out there. And uh Sadius has been going around doing his his interviews and then uh needling Dalinar about it. Your soldiers are loyal. <laughs> Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you went for the you went for the weak spot. My one insecurity is that my soldiers are loyal to me. <laughs> and then he goes deeper. You don't kill people for no reason anymore. You keep your emotions under control. Dalinar's pushed to his breaking point. Loser. <laughs> well, yeah, he he does just like. He he just keeps poking at Dalinar for no good reason at all, and eventually Dalinar just has to leave because it's frustrating. Weird for it to be fortunate that we're transitioning into a battle, but that's what's up next is the battle itself. And at least for a while, that goes kind of more straightforwardly than dealing with Sadius, which is quite a thing. We get a uh, we get a, a cool battle scene and. Uh, I think we'd seen this this mentioned before, uh, but we we actually see it here where uh, another part of Dalinar's battle technique is to lead with shard bearers. The the plate lets them jump the chasms in certain places. Uh, a a blade will make quick work of trying to secure a uh, a landing spot. And so it's it's going to be Dalinar and Adolin directly on the front lines as the first two into the battle. And it's a cool scene. It's very cool. The jumping across the gap is is badass. Yeah. Yeah, this rules. But why would you not do why why is like Dalinar's strategy here revolutionary? Like you send in the tank because the people with their pistols can't hurt the tank. Well, because the tank is rich. <laughs> I mean... But I'm in the tank. I don't want to go out there. It's noisy. <laughs> I mean, there is some risk. Dalinar does note that it is dangerous kind of the very moment that they land because they're significantly outnumbered and even with plate and blade... 
they can just be swarmed and pushed back and thrown into the chasm and plate or not that might just kill you that being said they do have a good counter strategy which is what i think might be a war crime um <laughs> which is hey the parshendi hate it when you desecrate the corpses let's do a lot let's, of let's desecrate the corpses, the corpses. <laughs> yeah kick <laughs> yeah i did not expect alanar to desecrate corpses and you know, I, I I don't want to be jumping to the man's defense here, as we have described this as desecrating corpses. It is in the middle of a battle, and he's mostly just, like, shoving them out of the way. But he also does point out that they note that the Parshendi specifically dislike this, and he's doing it on purpose. So, yeah, it's not great. Uh, but yeah, this, this battle, it, we see it directly from... Dalinar's point of view and this is this is a man with with a full set of shards against a whole mass of people without and it's a very one-sided fight even with the numbers as as skewed as they are Dalinar is just like he's killing dozens of people here in almost no time and then suddenly and then suddenly he realizes that this is a terrible terrible thing to be doing which is a, a flippant way of putting this, but he has, in the moments before, he has been feeling the thrill, which is this thing with a capital letter that we've seen <laughs> mentioned a few times. It's, you know, it's it's kind of fueling his emotions in this battle. And then there's just a, a an instant shift to just pure revulsion at, the the scene that he is in the middle of and the direct cause of and i you can't pretend to have felt anything like this but this sounds like a a, a horrifying shift to undergo yeah it's bad um <laughs> yeah there's a lot of description of like blood and brains and bones and it's worth noting all of the gore which appears to be quite a bit of it is only from when Adeline punches things because the shard blades don't cause any gore whatsoever. Yeah. It's just like sometimes Adeline punches people so hard they die and that's the only source of the gore and there's still a ton of it. Yeah. Yeah. And given that this is happening still in the middle of the battle, really the only solution for Dalinar is to try to fight his way out of this, which is what he has to do. And, uh, it's a it's a very different look kind of at the at the rest of the battle as he is uh as he's uh trying to trying to finish this off fortunately for our uh, our Colin family here though the the battle does start to turn uh they they've set their their mechanical bridges the cavalry arrives literally <laughs> Gallant arrives, everyone literally cheers yep. <laughs> for the horse. Let's go, Gallant! <laughs> and yeah, they win the battle. They uh they they force the, the Parshendi back. Uh they get to claim the uh the gem heart here. There's a uh, glory and glory spren for the, the whole army here. And they they get to at least have have this victory here as they are kind of going through the uh the end of the battle here and as we are wrapping up our chapter there's one uh one interesting thing though before we close 
which is as the Parshendi are retreating, uh, Delinar is, is looking around to make sure that he, he knows where they all are. Uh, and he sees a, a shard bearer on their side. He says they're, they're far away, but it's, it's hard to mistake plate for anything else. And they weren't part of the battle. Uh, they've never seen this, this other, th- this Parshendi shard bearer before. And they don't, they don't engage. They just stay with the rest of the force who, who turn and leave. So that's a, uh, a, a whole new mystery that's been raised as we are uh, concluding our section here. It is funny for Dalinar to be like, why didn't the Shardbearer come to the front lines of the battle? And it's like, you mean that thing that the vast majority of the Bright Lords here also do is stay back and just <laughs> use archery to snipe from afar? Unfathomable. <laughs> Those cowards. <laughs> Dalinar definitely does have some uh, some different opinions on uh, how things should or shouldn't go. Uh, yeah, so that is uh, the end of our, our episode here. We leave ourselves uh, with two large chapters to go to finish off part two. Uh, and so that's going to be our, our next episode uh, it is our only two-chapter episode of the book. We've got a bunch of threes, but only the one two. Uh, and so, yeah, 27 and 28 will be next, and we will get to conclude this chapter. All right, well, uh, with our our episode reading wrapped up, uh, and before we get to uh, the end of the episode and onwards to reading the rest of the part, uh, we have our, our usual uh, extra sections to get to starting with uh, extending our cast list, uh, a much smaller set this time again. Uh, and then we will see what, uh, what new info has, has provided us on uh, what we think is, is going to happen in the future. But we'll start with casting and we'll start with Sam. Okay. <laughs> should, should, I do, should, I, should I intro my Fred Armisen challenge? <laughs> Why not? Okay. <laughs> So, uh, uh-oh, the producer came to you with a gun in his hand and said, you have to cast Fred Armisen in a named part for the movie. What part do you give Fred Armisen? Well, that was the challenge that I threw for myself today. What part do I give Fred Armisen, the n- noted lighthearted comedian in this very <laughs> serious book? Um, so you want him to have a role that's short-lived and won't cause a big disturbance. Uh, so it can't be Gavilar because it'd be incredibly distracting to continually refer back to Fred Armisen's death. <laughs> um, and he can't be Wit, even though Wit is nominally a comedian because Fred Armisen's comedy is very safe and Wit's is literally not. So, not so much. Not <laughs> safe. I mean, you lose your lands, but it's not, it's legal. But other than that, legal. <laughs> other than that legal punishment you get for doing it. So who's it going to be? I'm giving it to LaRush. A.K.A. that one guy from a long time ago who's in like half a scene back when we first met Gaz. He replenishes the ranks. Uh, he'll be oh, there yeah. long enough. Yes. <laughs> he'll be there long enough to satisfy the gun-wielding producer and Fred Armisen himself, maybe, and short enough to not be disgustingly invasive. All right. Now that we have fulfilled your uh, very specific but well-thought-out scenario here, 
and an honorable mention to charging the producer, stealing the gun, and shooting myself. Oh, oh my. Well, you could just shoot the producer. <laughs> yeah, but that's not as dramatic. You're, you're, you're and not also, wrong. if you shoot the producer, then you don't make the movie. I... The producer's gone. You're also not going to make the movie if you shoot yourself, Sam. <laughs> don't do that. So anyway, back to casting. <laughs> Uh, I have a I have a new wit, and for this I just like I wanna I wanna throw props to a an up and coming YouTuber guy that I like. Um, so my new wit is gonna be J C Foster, who's a sketch comedian on YouTube. Was amazing at quick punchy comedy, and especially with the bang bang comedy scene that was his appearance at the feast. Wit's appearance at the feast. I'm quite okay with giving J C Foster a chance at wit. So. You know, New York comedian man, J.C. Foster. Let's see what you can do. It's your time to shine, baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Rorion, I'm going to pick uh, Dwight Schultz, a.k.a. Barclay from Star Trek TNG, who is someone who wants to prove himself and ends up taking big stupid risks and not trusting people because he thinks they have it out for him. This fundamentally is Rorion. Where do I... He does... I know him from voice acting, but I don't know from what. When's, when's, what's he what's he up to, man? <laughs> Who dat? I don't, I don't know. You you can keep know. going. I just I just <laughs> know him as Barkley. Uh, Hesina, uh, we're we're gonna go like not right now, but in the past. Hesina, uh, Susan Sarandon, oh. because she she plays a good, hardworking movie mom. That's what we've seen so far. Yeah. yeah. Good, hardworking at removing that cremsicle. Uh, Bright Lord Roshon, Orson Welles. There I we could see that, yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Alethi. <laughs> Champagne <laughs> has been prized for its excellence. <laughs> uh, Latima, uh, Sydney Tamia Portier. Porti- Portier? Uh, Ilamar is Germa because he's described <laughs> as compact. <laughs> That's it. I, di- we, I didn't notice it. that description and <laughs> I, I thought it was very funny, but we were just going onwards. Yep, we did not linger on the fact that Ilamar is only described as compact. He's just the compact Ilamar. <laughs> Therefore, Germa. Uh, Taleb. Uh, I want to go with Devin Sawa, uh, which is spelled kind of funky, so I'll send it in chat so you see as well. Uh, he's fun and cool. Great job. Uh, I'll put a pin in him also because he's a cool actor, and I might want him for something else. Okay. But for now, we'll give it to Devin Sawa. Uh, and then I have one more recasting. Um, Elokar, who I had as Paul something. A different Paul. <laughs> uh, he's now going to be Paul Mescal. Trading one Paul for another. Got to get those Pauls in there. Equivalent exchange. <laughs> Paul Mescal is on the upcoming Gladiator 2. Uh, but he's also, he plays uh, the lead leading man in the movie Foe. Uh, which is on Amazon Prime. It's a good movie. I like it. It's a sci-fi movie. If you're not into sci-fi, you won't like it. 
Um, but he he plays a good uh, he plays a very good paranoid guy. So, Elokar. That's, uh, that's important for Elokar. Yeah, <laughs> he's got the right age. He's got the right look. I'm going with Elokar. Now, I don't think I should believe this because I believe it would mean he was three years old at the time. But according to Google, he was also in the original Gladiator. Um, I think that's just because Google doesn't know how to separate Gladiator from Gladiator Two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he might have been like the the young child of. Nah, uh, not on his Wikipedia. I th- I think Google's uh, just wrong. <laughs> Google, Mister Google, John Google. John. Come on, John. Okay, cool. Uh, I am. I'm glad that you had a casting for Ilmar. That amused me. <laughs> uh and then for caleb what does uh what does your edition look like for this week yeah uh first thing i want to say is dwight schultz has been in a shitload of things and i will never be satisfied because i will have no idea uh which of these i was like <laughs> oh that's where i know him from because he's just been in a lot i think i probably it was probably navigator presley from mass effect because he has a like a distinctive mm-hmm. voice and i probably looked up hey who is that oh it's this guy who i don't know that well anyways um <laughs> i have uh i have two two comments on casting uh one is um just reading the the Sadia speeches in this last chapter where he's just needling down the whole time god i'm standing by my tony dalton casting anyone who's seen better call saul you can really just picture uh, uh lalo saying all that and the other one is is casting across the aisle here i i'm sticking with my teft casting um uh, but i do want to say adam copeland has been uh on the new percy jackson se- series and he does a great job. And man, I can really see him as Taps. I, that was a really good pick, Sam. Uh, I, I, I like that one. Thank um, you very much. Um, but yeah, of course, as always, I went a little overboard. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna breeze through these. And I promise to copy paste it in chat, uh, uh, Justin, so you can fill it in better. Um, as Earless Jax, I have Sam Spruill, who was in the new season of Fargo. Um, as Natom, I have Haas Sleeman, Sleeman, uh, who had a, a supporting role in Eternals. As Scar, I have Mom Jockbok, no, Jockmok, sorry, I apologize, uh, who was in Ong Bok, that's why I said that. Uh-huh. Um, as Bright Lord Royon, I have Joseph Lee, who was in the new show Beef. Um, Nana Tareth, we are told, is the baker's wife. So I cast Joanna Gleason, a.k.a. the OG Baker's Wife from Into the Woods. Hell yeah. Um, as Hesina, I have Philippa Sue, also known for Broadway. Um, I feel like she's she's got the vibes required for nice, kindly mother. Um, uh, as Bright Lord Roshone, I have Kiri Hiroyuki Tagawa, who is known uh, a lot for his work in the Mortal Kombat series. Um as Latima, I have Chang Pei Pei from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, as Teleb, I have Joe Taslim, who is in the new Mortal Kombat movie. Um, as Kalami, I have Zhang Ziyi, uh, who was in Crouching Tiger and Rush Hour and the new Godzilla mm-hmm. movies. Um, as Havara, I have Farhan Akhtar, who was in the new Miss Marvel series. As Malasha, I have Mel Jarnson, who is a very small role in the new Mortal Kombat movie. And as Ilamar, I have Stephen Hunter, who played Bombor the Dwarf in the Hobbit movies. <laughs> Hell yeah. We're also gonna get compact. by the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck is Havara? <laughs> who 
is that character? He's he's one of uh he's one of uh Dalinar's kind of supporting general dudes. He gets, gotcha. he gets briefly mentioned and is given a brief description, which, as has been noted, is my <laughs> requirements for if I need to cast them. Uh, oh, he's the uh hang on. He's the guy who doesn't have a spark flicker. He's got the uh, Herdazian yeah, guy. The Herdazian. The Herdazian. Obviously. Yep. I knew that. That was definitely in my casting notes. <laughs> of course. All right. Uh, yeah, this this cast list grows ever longer. I'm going to have to get... Uh, we have cast by one or the other of you uh, 78 characters thus far. Good lord. Oh, yeah. Honestly, in, in Way of Kings or in Cosmere? In Way of Kings. I was going to say, like, that actually feels really low if that's the whole Cosmere. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's just in this book. Hey, there's a lot of characters in this book. There sure are. Uh, all right. Uh, that means that we can now try to uh, see what we've got coming up, see what, uh, what interesting predictions we have. Uh, I know uh, from our, our notes uh, shared in our chat, uh, I know... Sam is is eager to get back to the whole other plot line of Shalon, uh, but we will we'll have to wait a little bit more for that. So uh, we'll start with you though on uh, what uh, what this section has uh, has given you for Caledon uh, and Dalinar. All right. So uh, I. I'm fully cognizant of the fact that this is the penultimate episode of this section. Uh, next episode is the last one of this b- section. What the f- part two? Uh, part two. Part. Yes. Part. <laughs> uh, n- next episode is the last episode of this part, and then the episode after that is a new part. So I did some time to think. Uh, all right. So, short term, uh, Cal's going to take his knobweed juice to the apothecary, who it turns out is a swindler and a cheat this whole damn time, and he's going to try to swindle Cal out of the reed juice. Uh, this I had whole the Id- damn time? This whole damn time, secretly. Well, not secretly at all. <laughs> Blatantly. <laughs> Blatantly. <laughs> Uh, I had the idea that Cal would try to refine it himself, but it seems like that would attract way more attention than trying to offload it. Um, the real question is, to what end would you even offload it? Like, why would you sell it to the only merchant you want to buy things from? You can't buy food. They've made ma- that much clear. You can't buy medical supplies. I guess you can, like, rent a hooker, but that doesn't really do anything. <laughs> so I guess we'll see what it all happens morale. there. <laughs> improves morale. I know you're gonna die, but now you can get laid, buddy. <laughs> Congratulations! Congrats! All right, great. Uh, here's a wild one that I don't know if I'm putting a lot of chips on, but I think it'd be fun. Uh, Kaladin's gonna get a shard plate and a shard blade by accident. Um, by which I mean it's gonna be one of those things where the hero stands up and he's got like magical powers and everyone's looking at him weird and he's just as surprised as the onlookers are. Like, what? I have a shard? What's this in my hand? Oh, my God. And then people are going to be big mad about how and why he got them. Like, those are supposed to be for Renarin. No. Anyway. Uh, so, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I think it'd be fun. So, I'm just saying it. Uh, the thrill 
this is unimportant. The thrill is a cultural thing. It's not like a literal, like, biological sensation that right. Alethi feel. It's cultural. So I'm going to skip that whole ramble. Uh, what's Sidious going to find in his little investigation ski? Well, obviously, this is a kangaroo court situation. He's trying to get down our goat. I'm not really sure why. I think that's just kind of the guy he is. Uh, it's pretty obvious he's trying to throw down our under the bus, though. So we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll circle back. Okay. Um, before the end of the part, uh, God, I hope this happens. Downar is going to finally meet Kaladin. Maybe at the very, very end. Like at the end of The Last Jedi or whatever movie it was. I don't care. The one where Daisy Ridley meets Luke in Ireland and then the credits roll. That one. That was Force Awakens. <laughs> okay. Daisy Ridley Last herself. Jedi ends with the uh, a broom boy looking up at the stars and being like, I have a broom now. <laughs> <laughs> How could we forget? It's the one where Luke turns and it's like, oh, it's and then the credits. It's that one. Force okay. okay. Uh, so Downer's going to be Kaladin. Um, I think that a good opening for that to happen is, uh, he, hey, go find a bridge crew, and he scalps them. He scalps guys. That'd be cool. Um, so he's now on the scalped bridge crew for Dalinar. Um, I don't know if it'll happen, but it would be fun. Uh, please meet. the. Please meet. Come on. <laughs> We're so far in. Uh, one question that's a longer-term question. Uh, why do shards no longer confer the same powers as before? I think it's because they're used, like, dishonorably now? Uh, the voices talking to Dalinar say they used to be for protecting, and now it seems to be all just about killing. So, I think it's an interesting question. You're comparing those to the, the people that we saw in Dalinar's vision? Yes, yes, okay. exactly. Yeah, how they flew away and they had the glowing right. thing on their thing, and he doesn't yet. So I don't, I think they don't have the same powers because they used to be for protecting and now they're for killing and bandying. So um, I think that if one person's going to be able to discover shard wielding's old power, it should be Kaladin. Maybe it's a Mjolnir situation where you have to be truly worthy to wield it effectively and none of the Alethi nobility are because they're all assholes and I hate them. <laughs> um, Alright. Uh, now, uh, uh, the longer question. Uh, how is Sadius going to die before the end of the book? Uh, <laughs> either... Parentheses, please. Please. Parentheses, please. Uh, either Kaladin's going to kill him for being such a terrible person, or Rock's going to kill him for ruining his life. Although, to be fair, Rock did make him eat crap. Um, <laughs> and, and Rock is also very bound by honor and tradition uh, in a way that Kaladin is not, decidedly not. Um, and Rock seems to kind of just accept his life. So I don't know if it'll be Rock, but maybe if pushed, we'll see. Uh, in any event, I'm guessing it's going to be either by the end of this part or sometime in the next part that he dies. Um, if it's in this part, Dalinar is going to be a huge suspect, which makes for a great plot in and of itself, but I doubt that's where we're angling. Um, Sadius hasn't been around to salt the runes long enough, I think. Um, he's, 
He's made me very salty, but he could always <laughs> he could always do more damage. So I think he might. Um, if it's in the next part, we can see him continue to be an asshole to Kaladin and drive Cal to caber toss him into the mouth of an open volcano, but instead of lava, it's full of stale piss. And even if this doesn't specifically happen, and it should, I still am guessing it'll be in the next part, not before the end of this one. Uh, if it's in neither part, if, well, if it's in either this part nor the next part, it's going to be Rock who kills him at, like, the end as a, as a, as a roll call. We did it, everybody! <laughs> and then Rock celebrates by beheading Sadius. <laughs> oh, oh, wait! One more thing, everyone. It's a good, good, uh, good way to end a book, or a, yeah. a part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Well, here's another question: What the hell's happening with Shalan and her fucked up family? What? Who? Fuck off! Here's the biggest question: <laughs> Who's the bad guy? It, because it sure doesn't seem to be the Parshendi. It seemed like them for a fashion, but Mr. Sanderson is clearly trying to inculcate uh, they're not as bad as they seem thing. Uh, well, maybe not clearly, but there's like notes of that, you know? They don't like it when you mess with their dad and you know, they're messing. The Alethi are being assholes and they're acting <laughs> dishonorably. And the Parshendi are, you know, tactically retreating and whatever. They're smarter than they seem. I don't know. Um, I don't think it's the Parshendi. Uh, I think Sadis is an asshole, but I think he's kind of a red herring. Um, so I have a probably won't happen, but it would be interesting. Wouldn't it be cool? And I'm not saying I'm predicting this, but wouldn't it be cool if Adeline turned out to be a villain? He's got this big chip on his shoulder that is growing. And in my head, I'm just walking through the saga begins by Weird Al my, my, this here Adeline guy. That's as, that's as far as I got. But my point is, it would make fits for good reader. It does. It fits oddly well. So that means it must happen. Or it probably won't. But it would be interesting. Uh, <laughs> it would make for good reading. The Blackthorn's son is the bad guy. Big shocks. Crazy. Anyway... That's it. All right. Yeah, we've got a. Uh, uh, I I really like the uh, the the thing about the like why are our shards different now than they seemed to be before? I I want to see more about that and like what would what would our next development look like? And then does does Kaladin get involved in that? Would be cool. All right. Uh, has us getting close to the end of the part uh similarly uh had you take a look caleb or do you just have a, a usual kind of of set of things i uh i don't have a, a ton every time i say that i then uh ramble on for about 30 minutes straight but i think it might actually be relatively short today um my one my one question is uh we do table of contents is fair game I'm allowed to to, to uh, look through yeah, that. I think it's hard for it not to be. Yeah. Um, I noticed an interesting thing, which is um, Sam was the first one to notice this, but there sure are a lot of palindromes in the world of Roshar. Uh, and if we look at the part names, part three, dying. But then we expand from there. Part two is the illuminating storms, and part four is storms illumination. Part one is above silence, and part five is the silence above, which I just thought was a really cool thing. 
Um, with that in mind, I think it would be really interesting. So I'm just I'm just gonna say it is a theory now. Um, if part four, the epigraphs are a another letter that is a response to the one we're currently reading, I think that'd be a very fun way of incorporating this kind of palindromic elements. And then maybe part five can have like either more of the last words things or more context for like what those are. I don't know. I just think it'd be really interesting if the epigraphs are tied to the fact that these parts are named palindromically. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a cool thing I noticed. Um, that's the only theory related to it. Um, the prime map got mentioned and then I went back and looked at the prime map and was like, yeah, that map's really cool. And then I had the thought of, ooh, I bet that the tower is going to be where Dalinar wants to do his siege. And like later on the page, it was like, yep, that's, that's the plan. So <laughs> well done. 10 foot good, good predicting. Thank you. Nailed it. Um, we get a little bit more context for why Kaladin is here and why he's so pissed at all the light eyes. And I'm curious if he killed the light eyes and he thought he would get all the light eyes as shit because that's how battles are kind of supposed to work when you duel people. But then he got enslaved. But then he also says, like, he did get rewarded, but then he turned down the reward. And he also knew the guy wasn't a shard bearer. But also there was a shard bearer. There was like a weird Darth Vader guy who showed up on the battlefield right after Kaladin said, there's not going to be any shard bearers here, you idiot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't actually have any theories on that, but there's still a, a, there's still a big dot, dot, dot in Kaladin's story. Not even backstory. This is between chapters one and two that we still are like, what's what's actually going on, man? What is What was that? <laughs> what happened? Um, I'm just saying I haven't forgotten about it. Um... I have a couple of, I had my, my, my shot in the dark theory that I have somewhat more evidence for now. I still am not like, I, I'm sticking with it, but I can't say it's like, oh, it's for sure going to happen now. Um, but the idea of the uh, lost radiance actually turned into the Parshendi at some point. Um, we learned from Sidious that um, not only did the radiance betray the people and then run away, but like the 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 normies the ordinary men as dalinar would call everyone who's not a radiant i guess um <laughs> took all of their sharp blades like either stole them or defeated them and got them but like it wasn't that they'd left behind the sharp blades they were directly taken from the radiance um which would be another check mark for hey that would make the radiance really upset at the alethi um and might want to go to war with them uh, and then a really subtle thing that I might be reading into, but it'd be really cool if this was a dot I'm connecting, is Dalinar notes that the Parshendi almost always fight in pairs. And we've also seen the Knights Radiant fight in pairs in the One Vision. Uh, so it'd be really neat if that was actually a, a connection. Um, but uh, we'll see. Um, and then I have one thought, um, which is just if we get to chapter 28 and we don't know who wrote these epigraphs, I'm gonna fucking lose it. I'm 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 gonna be really, <laughs> really upset. I just there's so many. I I know we're not even halfway through the book yet, but Brandon just refuses to answer almost any question I have, and I just I need a W. I need something. Not even a W. I don't even care if I'm wrong about it being Hoyd. I just need an answer to the question. That's a W in my book. Um, I did have the thought for the first epigraph of this chapter. Um, that like. It's getting a little feisty, and Hoyd seems pretty chill, so it didn't seem quite like Hoyd vibes. 
Um, but the last epigraph does, as Sam pointed out, like we now know that the epigraph writer is being chased by a group of people. And we know that Hoyt is being chased by a group of people. Um, so I, I do, I am locking in the guess that it's Hoyt. Um, I think that is really interesting. I'm really curious how Galadon and Zemo joined up with the 17th shard. Um, which is, that's also the first time we've got name dropped. Justin, I think you, uh, uh, like literally just confirmed that a thing called the 17th shard exists, but I don't think you gave any details, but this is is our first time hearing about it. Yes. Um, so that's really interesting. How, How do you get recruited into that? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's, that's really, um, it's interesting to be on the lookout for. And my only question, uh, more questions than answers, as always. Um, if I'm, I, I have three separate Hoyd theories about this book. One is that he's the epigraph writer, which I'm feeling confident in. Another is that he's wit, which is also like, that could be the case. I also think he still might be that one random guy in the prologue who- The have uh, you seen me guy? Have, have you seen me? Which is such a weird line to say out of context. Like, that feels like that has to be something. So it might be Hoyd. Um, but I don't know. It's It would be really random if Hoyd is just the have you seen me guy. And if he's wit, he's just kind of fucking around. He's not doing anything. So, like, what's with <laughs> the urgency of the epigraphs if he's just going to be sitting there fucking around and telling jokes? Like, what's... What's the plan? What's he up to, man? I'm not giving up on any of my Hoyt theories, but what's going on with him? What? Who is this guy? What, what's What's the deal, man? But yeah, anyways, I, I looking back, almost no theories for this episode, but a lot of questions. All right, that's uh, that is where I often found myself reading these books. <laughs> uh, I do. I, I have a a question, not about the book itself, but about like things that you do or don't want to learn um there are some things that uh brandon confirmed to fans between the wave kings and the next book uh once we've like once we've gotten to the point where that makes sense would you like me to answer those questions one of which is uh like actual confirmation of who is writing this letter. Like there, there's implications in the book itself and you can, you can probably have an idea that you might think would be right. But I can tell you if you, if you'd like, once we finish the letter, who wrote it? I actually had a thought and I don't mean to like pitch, like give you my elevator pitch necessarily right now, but (laughs) um, I like the idea of those sorts of things like brand and confirmations being in, um, kind of perhaps our um wrap up the book episodes i think it would be fun if like you and justin or or, sorry justin and beth have like a a what you missed section of like here's all the dots that you maybe didn't connect but are like are 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 dots that you could have connected by the time you have finished the book um as well as stuff like yeah here's what brandon said between this book in the next one here's information that the fan base had access to now that you've uh, completed the book um yeah i don't know that's my take on that and sam might feel differently but that's, that's what i got eh, i i have no strong feelings on it i i just like <laughs> i just like predicting <laughs> <laughs> i just work here <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I think that's something we could uh, we could take a look at. I mean, there's a a wealth of of uh, information out there on what uh, what Brandon has said. Uh, it is fantastically cataloged, which means that that would actually be possible for us to do. Nice. So yeah, maybe maybe it's something we take a look at. Yeah, I like it because I think like I I think it's a good balance of let them cook, you know, <laughs> let let them try to put the dots together, but also like that way you're not going into the next however many books in the Cosmere without knowing things that everyone else did at the time. Yeah. I was about to say a thing, and then I let Beth say a thing, and then I forgot. Haha! Ha. I've sabotaged you. You've, you've won the podcast. <laughs> I finally yes, thank you. Good night. I'm done. I'm out. I mean, I would just cut it there, but I do actually need to do the <laughs> outro stuff. Yeah, we, we have wrap up to do. Yes, uh, and that wrap up includes things like uh, telling you, dear listener, uh, that. When you want more episodes of our podcast, you can find them at alwaysanotherpodcast.com, as well as sending us uh, emails at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Here's something you didn't know was possible. Uh, We awarded podcast points to someone who emailed us. Uh, They were (laughs) listening to back episodes. uh, And at one point during Hero of Ages, we were discussing songs that might be playing during parts of a, a movie adaptation. Uh, and they suggested Ooh. a song, and we gave them 0.16 podcast points for it. <laughs> are, we, are we allowed Stamped to know? Sealed approved. <laughs> uh, I'd have to go look what it up, what it was. Okay. Uh, well, you better, because that's the fight scene with a bunch of Inquisitors, right? Uh, that was, yes, that was, was the discussion. It was a Billie we Eilish song, right? Um, yes and yes. That, uh, that was the scene we were talking about. Uh, and the song suggested was You Should See Me in a Crown, which I've never heard. Oh. Well, let me, Very cool. let me add that to my two playlist. As I reread that really cool section from Hero Pages. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, in addition to our website and our email, you can also find us on our social media. Uh, that's Twitter at AlwaysAnotherPod instagram at always another pod uh, and mastodon at always another pod at kind.social you can see pictures of this very good dog who is here next to me right now Uh, you can see things that we think about during the recording of this episode Uh, you can see some some creative works Uh, i think we might have to get uh, sam's pre-recording from this episode up there (laughs) we had a good one today they're always good, but today was a standout. <laughs> Why? Fred Armisen? <laughs> uh, yes, in case you're wondering, that uh, th- that uh, thought exercise that Sam did at the, the beginning of his casting section uh, was not completely uh, an off-the-cuff snap decision of, I must cast Fred Armisen at gunpoint. There's some lore here. <laughs> the lore is also entirely Sam. But yeah, but, it's worth there, noting there was backstory. All of this is getting posted, no context, no prompting. Just Sam just does it, and yes. it's wonderful. So yeah, uh, those are all things that you can find in addition to listening to the podcast itself, uh, which is super cool. Uh, so we suggest that you do all those things. 
as well as continue to listen. Uh, our next episode, we're finishing the section, chapters 27 and 28. We'll wrap up part two uh, and then see where things land from there. So I do have an actual legitimate question, which is like end of part two is approaching the halfway point of the book. So if you buy that one version of Way of Kings, that is Way of Kings part one, and then a separate book is like the second half. Do you finish part two of the Way of Kings and then start part two of the Way of Kings, which starts with part three of the Way of Kings? <laughs> it's worse than that. It cuts in the middle of part three. What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> oh my God. What are you doing, Brandon? <laughs>